Rodgers almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the man. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Buffshire final Jason Jones from Mothership and Jersey Soccer. Some of the time. Not not most of the time anymore, though. Some of the time. Joe Patrick. Joe <laughs> Patrick from Nine Down the Game and Jersey involved. Soccer. Still emeritus. Emeritus is what I like to say. Oh, Emeritus-ish. Okay. Uh, with with the ESS. I, I went back to the old intro anyway? for some reason. What is, what is, I see emeritus means, like emeritus editor. Or? It's like yeah, it's like uh retired with distinction. Ah, okay. You can, you can come back anytime kind of deal right I, I think i left on on good enough terms i don't know rob may disagree i feel like it's always anyway, good to have latin in your the worst in your, of all time it's good to have latin in your title it makes it sound very regal and official it's good to have latin in your title joe patrick it's good to have marcelino moreno on your soccer team yes in stoppage time that's all we've really learned from the last little bit i think uh joe patrick who who hates our nation's capital more who's done more damage to our nation's capital Marcin Marino or the British soldiers of 1812? I think it's a legitimate <laughs> question. I think we've got to ask ourselves and maybe look at ourselves in the mirror here. Uh, but and he does it. He does man. it in the most savage way possible too, with the the balls that just trickle over the over the end line into into the net. I don't know if you remember the one he <laughs> yes. had at the yeah. nearly the same time slow last motion. year, where as <laughs> a real daisy cutter, just yeah, rolling into the b- bottom corner. But yeah, it's kind of funny the way he's finished those two goals. Oh, Joe Patrick, Joe Patrick, Joe Patrick. Bangers. This is going to be one of those episodes where we have to go. Yeah, but they got the result, so. What are we really supposed to say? There's yeah, some stuff to touch on. There's some stuff we've been touching on for like the past three years. I feel like almost just about with this one. Uh, we'll see how we can kind of break it down. Uh, I'm interested to see where your thoughts were on this one. I'm interested to see where everyone else's thoughts were on this one. I was like posting pictures of, of people like traumatized by war. With, to, to represent accurately my feelings on on a lot of watching this game it, and then marcelino yeah. scored and was like oh no it's great we're gonna live forever everything's it fine was, it no was definitely it was definitely one of those mls games where it's just you hope that you didn't have family watching for the first time or something you know it's just one of those <laughs> it's not pretty um but you know a lot of people, uh, my my kind of big takeaway, especially after seeing the reaction from the game is, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, well, that wasn't a good performance, et cetera, et cetera. Atlanta United didn't deserve to win. And I probably agree. You know, it was relatively even. But if you I mean, if you look at the advanced metrics like the the whether it's XG or goal plus, I mean, Atlanta United is edging it in pretty much every metric on the, you know, the the, the goals plus game flow um, was posted in our discord and Atlanta United w- had, you know, more goal pl- goals plus or goals added. I'm sorry, um, offensively and defensively. And they had more expected goals. I was actually more impressed with the way that the team was able to hold DC United only like point four expected goals um, mm-hmm. on the road. I thought that that was an encouraging aspect of the performance. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously you want more to be happening for yourself in the attack. And I thought there were some good things. I thought it was like an improvement from Colorado, um, their last road game, but you know, obviously there's going to need to be more, more improvement as the team goes on this year, but it's always hard to win on the road. So you got to win. 
Exactly, exactly. Kind of take what you can get with that. I think you posted the total number of away wins yeah. for each Atlanta United team so far. And yeah. it's already at least have one is a good sign or head in the right direction to maybe way to eclipse. 2020's total. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. There we go. So <laughs> pretty funny. And I think, you know, Jeez, what, man. Uh, you know, yeah, I know that's wild. Uh, and one of those was against DC United, by the way, which is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I was just looking uh, because I remember it was like kind of a, a, a narrative i remember i was like having to ask tata about the fact in that like in 2017 the team lost to dc united every time they played and it was like oh dc mm. united have atlanta United's number well it was six to six in the all-time series last night these two teams have never drawn i was just looking at it before we recorded and um and now yeah now atlanta united holds the series lead seven to six but yeah tata lost them three times uh, in in the opening mm. season now they would go up to dc and lose their minds i remember leandro would just like yeah, pass the ball to Lucho Acosta in the box. Yeah, Lucho yeah, Acosta yeah. was not on Atlanta United <laughs> yeah. at that point. Yeah. There were mistakes made. There were mistakes made. I think that was an RFK too. Good yeah, board. This yeah, team has been around for, yep. for a long time. I, I, I can't know, quite it's remember so funny how you mentioned that, and I know exactly like the little play that you mentioned. <laughs> that, that you're thinking exactly, it was pretty traumatizing. It was pretty mm. traumatizing. Uh, the whole thing uh, on Saturday was was rough. Um, traumatizing it might be too dramatic of a word. It's interesting you mentioned that Atlanta United won the XG. A second Spectrum actually scored that differently, and it, oh, but it's they? like point zero zero one to DC United in that what one. Did they, uh, what did they have as the totals? Do you have it pulled up? Looks like point uh, six five for DC and point okay. like five eight for Atlanta. Okay. So it, they said if you did play this game a thousand times, essentially forty one percent of those would be draws, mm-hmm. and they'd probably yeah. be nil nil. So I mean, it probably should have been game we got. It was yeah. I mean, it was a really bad out. goal that they scored on to like get the win. I mean, that was ridiculous. Yeah, the one I was the the, the XG I was looking at is through um, FOTMOB app, um, and I don't totally. know where they yeah, pull yeah. this, but one point oh two to point right. four eight is what they had for expected goals in Atlanta's favor. Oh and, wow! Okay, but also, cool. if you look at it, you know, fourteen shots for Atlanta to DC's ten. Nine shots mm-hmm. inside the box, you know, you, uh, granted, a lot of those nine shots were headers, just like from crosses. So it's not like they were creating a lot. Um, you know, if you have nine shots in the, inside the box and you still only have one expected goal of creation, mm-hmm. you can tell that you're not getting high quality uh, chances there. But, you know, I just thought it was I, I thought people were actually being a little bit harsh because I, I, I would have been content okay. with uh, a nil nil. Honestly, like this early in season, you just lost three nil on the road in your first attempt going, you know, traveling on the road. So it would have been an improvement. And hey, you, you, you sneak out with three points. So you got to be you got to take the dub, as I was saying last night, take the dub, people. You got the dub. Take the dub. I think I think we need to kind of just kind of frame and caveat all of this with the fact that this is kind of just how DC United games look about 60, 70 percent of the time. They're just train wrecks over and over again. Right. And it's really difficult to, to deal with that and look even remotely one like yourself to even anywhere near the best version of yourself. Right. That's just kind of what they do. And then they nearly got away with it. They nearly got away with it. I was thinking but about you didn't. during this game because you warned us. You, were, you warned me at least about what, <laughs> <laughs> what was DC United. Was it like a mix of Red Bulls and some other grotesque? Mm-hmm. It's like a Red Bulls aggr- aggressive pressing team. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Joe Patrick, where did I warn you about that? Where? Where? The five stripe final patreon patreon.com slash five stripe final go ahead and check out everything 
there. We have a whole bunch of stuff coming your way. A few interviews as of late, a few training ground reports for me and Joe report live from the training ground after talking to Gonzalo Pineda and company on big uh, media days at the training ground and a whole bunch of other stuff too, including our new, uh, my personal new favorite for me, the, the on review uh, segments where I go over some video clips and some stats and stuff I've pulled from some uh, insider sources, we'll call it. And we put those out and, and let y'all take a look at that. And I do my best tactical analysis person imitation. And it goes pretty okay. Yeah. Check that out. Patreon.com slash faster final. And I'm looking forward to getting back out and doing more of the training ground updates with you. I guess I want to give some people some perspective. We meant to be doing a lot more of these um, with us together there, but it was it's really on me. My schedule was thrown into flux because of the radio station. So I've been having to do a lot more on air. But now the Braves are starting. They're pulling me off air so I can get out to the training ground more in the morning. So uh, we'll definitely be out there, at least especially for the days that Gonzalo Pineda talks. Those are definitely the days I'm targeting to obviously get out there and um, hear all the team updates and all that stuff. Yeah, we want to get out there. We want to be giving you the best product possible because that's just good business. Joe Patrick and is good business. Business well done. time. This is the worst. No, that didn't work at all. It was clumsy <laughs> as hell. I thought I could get there and I just didn't. I just, business time. Go. Business time, Joe Patrick. Yeah, we got a short one here. It's it's Ronaldo. I totally forget. You know, I, I panicked about this uh, Last night, because while Jackson Conway was playing, I was you know on Twitter or whatever, and Felipe uh, um, replies to me about something asking about where Ron Ronaldo Cisneros was, and I totally forgot that he existed when we were there <laughs> talking to Gonzalo Pineda <laughs> uh, and at training um, the other day. So it sounds like he has not yet joined the team again for all this paperwork issues, I, I believe. So, mm. uh, but but Pineda did say after the game that he does expect him to be with the team, like. Anytime, really, I, I forget the exact way he phrased it, but it does sound like they're kind of expecting him to be with the team officially by the time they go up to Charlotte next week. And if he is, I would definitely assume that he will be in the match day squad. I, I, I tend to think that they would prefer not to have Jackson Conway in the match day squads that they'd like to get him games at with Atlanta United too, where he just you know won an award for scoring a hat trick. And so I would like to see him there as well. I think it would be better for him to be getting those full games and then have a more of a veteran presence like Ronaldo uh, on the bench for cases like you would need in the, in the game against DC where they needed some energy off the bench in the forward role. Well, let's talk about Jackson. Let's talk about that game at DC right now in sports prime game time. Sports prime game time, 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 sports game time, sports prime game time, sports game time, Sports Prime game time. Joe Patrick, I want to start with this quote because I think it's going to one. It just kind of answers a lot of people's questions, I think. Yeah. And a lot of the, the feedback we've been getting from this game. But it is one of those quotes where I like have to read the whole thing. One, bad at reading. Two, can't say words so good. I'm from South Georgia. Three, it's a pretty long quote. So so buckle in. Buckle in. But this is from Gonzalo after here. the game. 
All right. Well, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Uh, Gonzalez says you saw a little bit of the movement between Tiago, Marcelino, Jake Moraney, Andrew Gutman, and Brooks in the midfield. I think it was pretty good at times, but the final third again, it's the one that were not very dangerous, but that will come in time. I have a lot of faith in Marcelino, Tiago, Osetsu, Jake, Joseph, and later Louise to really impact the final third. With our fullbacks overlapping all the time, I think we're going to be a little bit more in the final third. Today, it was more of a fight. It was more of a competitive game against a team that likes those individual duels, that likes that physical component of the game, trying to inflict a type of game that's always for 50-50 balls, pressure from behind fouls, and they're very direct. They want to always go forward to play those long balls and then try to win those second balls. I felt that the team tends to struggle with that style, but tonight it was pretty good. Again, we will review the film and see how we can do better. That could be the entire show, I think, right there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right? I mean, that wraps it up. That, yeah, yeah. That's pretty that's succinct from summation Gonzalo. of everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think he summed up a lot of that really, really well. And we, we'll touch on it more in depth because we're five-star final and that's what we do. But yeah, no, it needs to be better in the final third. Yeah, it might come more with time. Yeah, Louise is going to help a lot. I think, yeah, the, the fullbacks are pretty good. And yeah, DC made that game just about as ugly as they possibly could. And that was the whole point. And you know what? If that's not a thing that results in Atlanta United getting run off the field like they do against Red Bulls half the time. Cool. Good work. Could have been better. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely could have been better. And I think that the team will improve in this respect over the course of the season. I think it's, uh, you know, I'm struck reading this quote and hearing it again, Sam, um, from something that Gonzalo Pineda said during preseason training where they were, I think they were just about to leave for Mexico. And he was basically saying like, yeah, we haven't done anything in terms of like the attack (laughs) and like anything in terms of final third, any of that, because they were missing so many players that would have been involved in, in kind of in those key areas. They didn't have Joseph Martinez. They didn't have a bunch of players. I mean, I remember in those early preseason games, the one at UGA, it was like a lot of Tyler Wolf. Uh, Louise was the the one guy who was there. Obviously, Tiago Amato wasn't there. Marcelino Moreno was out with an injury. So they just didn't have a lot of these key players. And so they were focusing a lot of their training time and all that on the fundamentals, you know, on build up play. And of course, that's what Taza Martino does, too. I think that's what a lot of coaches do. And I think that when you look around the league, you're going to see every team become crisper and have a better idea mm-hmm. of what they're doing in the final third um, as opposed to where they are right now. So it's not surprising to me that he would say that, you know, just admit that and it's honestly, again, we say this a lot about Gonzalo, but it's so refreshing to hear just the, the blunt honesty about where his team, where he felt that his team was good and where he felt like the team needed to improve. And the other interesting part of that quote um, that he mentioned was, um, where he says, um, you know, that the team hasn't always been successful against these kinds of teams. And I think that that's mm-hmm. really encouraging to hear a coach kind of acknowledge kind of where his team struggles at times or the types of games, the types of tactics that his team has tended to struggle against. And it's something that the players were saying after the game too, not necessarily tactically, but just in terms of 
the resolve it took to to keep that game within arm's reach and then to get the win. Uh, it's that, you know, frankly, that it's they wouldn't have been able to do that in past years. And so it was great that they were able to have players like Santiago Sosa and Franco Ibarra that they could just pull off the bench and be able to come in and provide a real a lot of solidity in that second half. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it's a very good summation of of where things are in this game, but also where they are for Atlanta United just in general right now. That being said, there are reasons to, to worry a little bit, right? I, I know it's early. I know it's DC, but it's understandable to have concerns when so many of the same problems seem to exist, right? Like so many of the, the topics we've talked about with that lack of connective tissue, with that lack of fluidity, with that lack of off ball moving at times, with that lack of, of simply the right personnel in the right places for a, for a team to be balanced and successful. It doesn't seem like it's quite there at times mm-hmm. in a way that it wasn't for the last two years. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm concerned. I'm concerned that we're going to be back. And I remember I talked about this at the beginning of last season, Joe Patrick, where I talked about being stuck in analytical purgatory where mm-hmm. we just kind of went, yeah, that's, that's just an Atlanta United game. Right. When they don't have that, uh, midfield to, to final third connection where they can't create, where they don't make their runs in the box, where they don't make uh, those high quality chances come to come to life. It's a bit worrying to that extent, but also I'm, I'm just still pretty like blinded by the fact that it's just a DC game. And so much of that is hard to take away. That being said, they can't keep falling ass backwards into points, man. Yeah. It's it's not going to last that long. It's just not. Unfortunately, yeah. I wish it would. I wish we could win every game on just a garbage fluke rolling nothing of a goal. But <laughs> we can't. We well, can't. again, from my perspective, I was already kind of counting it as a win to get a nil nil, even though it's not an entertaining or attractive win. It's still, you know, a point on the road. I'll pretty much always take unless it's against like a Cincinnati or something like that a team that you definitely, definitely should beat. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough one. And I think one of the big variables in this game was Joseph Martinez. And, you know, obviously he had been away on international break with uh, Venezuela, but he only played in one of those games. So uh, he didn't play against, I think it was Colombia. He didn't play against. Um, and he just didn't really have a lot in this game. Um, hmm. He's getting fouled quite a bit. You know, they were really physical with him. But I just really thought that, you know, the energy up top was was lacking and um, and the movement was lacking. And I th- I even tweeted, you know, at some point I was like, hey, I don't want to see Joseph play 90 minutes in this game because I don't want him to see him, first of all, for his own you know physical reasons to be out there just kind of slogging it out when he's clearly not 100 um, percent. I'm not talking about an injury, but just clearly just, you know, not able to give, you know, what he would want to give. Um and it was just, yeah, it, it was just one of those games where it, it caused, I think, some concern with people. I was hearing, you know, people on Twitter like, is is Joseph, Joseph, you know, and again, we've had this conversation so many times about, you know, his play style evolving and all that. But I think it really does go to show that um, I don't know. I, I think they just have to figure out some solutions with how his game is evolving. And you talk about it. I mean, mm-hmm. you you talk about probably more than anybody with the the runs into the box. And that's something that we've been encouraged to hear Gonzalo Pineda talk about. But it really didn't seem to 
be happening in this game much. And, you know, it really struck me early on in the game. It seemed like I was actually really impressed. I, I thought it was a step up for Tiago Almada and Marcelino Moreno to be able to play with each other. I thought they did a mm-hmm. much better job playing with each other, um, combining and finding play, uh, abilities to go forward than they had in the previous match. But I thought Jake Mulraney was just super isolated and I thought that he could have done more to get himself more involved in the play or at least to be able to provide some support, maybe make some of those runs in behind um, to try to make himself a threat and relieve some pressure in other areas. But, you know, I just it didn't really seem cohesive in that respect. Yeah, I think we can kind of I'm going to go and like try and work through all of those right now. Um, and I'll yeah, start a lot with, out there. with Joseph um, and you teed me up, man. You teed me up for the runs in the box because Doyle has also been paying attention to these things. Matt Doyle from the mothership says through five games, only one starting center forward makes fewer attacking runs into the box per 90 minutes. That's Jesus Ferreira, who wow. Jesus Ferreira plays a false nine for Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. Like a legit yeah. false nine whose job it is yeah. to drop back. Right. Yeah. So that's not that's super amazing. encouraging. That's just not good at all. If you change that to uh, second spectrum has a thing where you can look at the runs that challenge the back line it doesn't necessarily get a whole lot better right so runs into the box is like a decent way to kind of gauge how much they're actually moving off the ball and getting into the area and everything like that um runs in the back line can kind of supplement that and like okay it's mm-hmm. a high line of confrontation obviously you're not getting the box as much et cetera. Et cetera. Right. neither of those right. things look great right now right yeah and, and and that's a bit concerning even though i think me and you have both agreed that he's looked better this year yeah at the yeah. same time if you're not moving you're not moving right yeah i mean he didn't even get a. I don't think he trained maybe he would have trained on friday but they wouldn't have done a full session on friday the day before a game so it's not like he really got in um a ton of time to prepare for this one but again it was more to me just the way he looked physically was a little bit concerning you know it was just mm-hmm. maybe it was just coming off the international break that it just took that much out of him and um and and the travel to go to dc of course but you know it's it's interesting that you point that out and that doyle's kind of on top of it because i, re- I remember vividly doyle being so full of praise for joseph martinez in those early years i can't remember if he wrote this article specifically about it in 2017 or 2018 but um just really pointing out how much joseph at that time in his career really did these penetrating runs, these vertical penetrating runs between the two center backs and really drawing those center backs in, making them having to make like really tough decisions on which one was going to maybe drop and cover him deep. And that opened up spaces in the channels for players like Tuto Villalba and Julian Gressel and, and the others to, to do damage. And so it just doesn't feel like Atlanta's pulling teams apart at the back as much. You know, it doesn't seem like Atlanta's disorganizing opponents mm-hmm. back lines and that's i think you know when they can start to do that that's when they will really start ripping teams apart if they're able to do that this brings me to the next thing you mentioned jake Moraney, and i really miss louise here this movies i think i think jake is good we, we've said this so many times i think that jake yeah. Moraney is is a good player at a good price and a guy you like and a guy you want on the team and a guy who can be effective in situations right but if he's the starting guy then, you know, maybe maybe that's not the best for the team. It's especially not the best for the team when Luis Erushu is the other option, right? And he'll be back. Luis will be back, and that will improve so many things in so many ways. You know, I don't know how high the ceiling is for this team, but I know they absolutely will not get there if Luis isn't available, right? So when yeah, he's back, yeah. 
everything gets better. That timeline should be checking out. He should be. I'm going to gut call it knowing nothing except the timeline they sent out to us after the initial injury. Probably seems like he'll be back for Cincinnati in a couple weeks. That'd be my gut I think, call. Yeah. Cincinnati is the kind of the game I'm kind of circling for his return. I, w- I definitely wouldn't expect it against Charlotte just because he's not he's not back yet training with the team. So um, and I want to call it, you know, you do something that's sneaky that I like because I think it's correct. But you'll um, I've noticed this year you, you you've casually dropped a couple of times like, you know, oh, Luis Arushu, the team's best player. You know, just like <laughs> and uh, you're right. He, I think he I think he is the team's best player. Uh-huh. Um and uh, and I think that it shows in a game like the one against D.C. where if you had a player like him on the other side, you know, like I was just talking earlier, Jake Mulraney looked isolated. Luis Araujo would not just, you know, kind of I don't want to rip on Jake here, but like Luis would not just kind of stand out there on the on the right flank. Not to say that he Jake was necessarily just standing out there or whatever, but Luis Araujo would have made a difference in that game. Like he he would have you know made himself available to come get on the ball and done something with it that would have been positive for the team for sure. We talk about disorganizing opponents. You kind of when you have the ability on the ball that Luis has, you almost do it just by existing on the pitch, right? Like they just have to pay so much more attention to him rather than than what Jake is going to do. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of the plain truth of it, right? We saw it in that first SKC game where Louise went out and Sporting changed their entire deal because they didn't have to worry about Louise anymore, right? It ended yeah. up burning him because Dom Dwyer went off, but who could have called that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is, and I and I hate kind of hate this for Jake. I hate to kind of say this, but like he really does seem more effective in a substitute role. Mm-hmm. You know, like when he can come in against players who have been out there for an hour and sprint at them with those with you know his dynamic athleticism, it just accentuates it to a, to a, another degree that you know you really didn't see that in the game where he started and his body kind of wears over the course of a game you know at the same rate that that other other players will and is mm-hmm. he just you don't see that difference in the athleticism and the explosion that you do when we've seen him come in in the 75th minute and be able to you know take a guy on one-on-one all right are you ready for this yeah because there was another there was another part of this doyle article and it actually fits with what we we're talking about we have to move over to the left side now where marcy and tiago amada our station. So it says the five stripes are three, one and one and clearly have enough talent to brute force some wins, even with Tiago Amada looking more like Barco 2.0 than a top level MLS number 10. The wheel went out and I, called I, him. I totally, totally disagree with that. 2.0. I do also disagree with this. And I'm the guy who said that that last goal was a fluke and stand by it. But I disagree with this too as well. I, I, I good, do. I have a good trivia question along, the, along that goes right along with these with this. Um, DC United fouled Atlanta 20 times in the game. And we know that Ezekiel Barco was like famous for drawing an inordinate mm-hmm. amount of fouls that I think we both agreed was not a good thing. Uh, how many times do you think uh, Tiago Amada got fouled in the game? Well, I'm assuming all 20 out, are out Marcy. Of those, out so. of those 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tiago only got fouled once in the game, which I found okay. I find mm. that to be hugely encouraging that he's that actually releasing the ball. Um, and again, I, I was just really encouraged by the way they played together. There was one there was one play. I wish I could remember specifically when it was in the game, but Tiago had the ball and he was he was feeling the pressure on him. And 
Marcelino was close and Tiago just kind of held the ball up, I guess is kind of the best way to say it, but kind of drifted towards his own goal a little bit until he found a little angle where he could sweep the ball in behind and basically pass two defenders, both the guy who was marking him and the guy who was ostensibly supposed to be marking uh, Moreno and just played Moreno into some space. And then Moreno, you know, carried it forward into the attack. I love to see that just it's a little Mm -hmm. bit of play, but I think that it just it tells you a lot about, um, you know, what they can potentially do together and i thought moreno had some opportunities dribbling into the that that final third to to play some balls into some players that you know either didn't come off or maybe he you know there was a maybe a better decision that he could have taken but that's what you have with marcelino moreno he's going to do a lot more good than bad in those situations but um i was encouraged and i and i again i guess i just disagree with doyle on that yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna address still very early in the tiago amada experience we're like that's true too 90 I was told there would be no math. 180 minutes or something. <laughs> um, I'll address the, the 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 comp in a second, but I do want to talk about the interplay between Marcy and Tiago, and that's something I think that when I do the the on review thing on Patreon.com/slash/final this week, I'm going to take all of the Marcy and Tiago passes and connections with each other. Yeah, just kind of go through those and, and see what we can pick up because I think my understanding of how things went down between them was that it was a lot more fluid than maybe I was even expecting. Like I, I groaned out loud, both in real life and on social media, about the fact that Marcy seemed to be kind of relegated to the wing at the start, which mm-hmm. we've we've all talked about. Gonzalo's talked about it at this point. Like it's not usually a great idea. But there were moments where they kind of flipped, right? Within the run of play, within um normal possession, normal game states, everything like that they flipped and Marcy would drop centrally and sometimes it'd be Tiago on the wing. Right. And there were a couple of times where that worked out really, really nicely. And then I would watch and then they would like the ball would go out of play and then they would switch back. Right. To get in the normal shape. And I would groan again. Right. But (laughs) that ability to interchange and to have two pretty different play styles, but two clearly talented dudes, be able to to rotate in and out and find their own spaces and work together on that. If that's something that can become a genuine connection and it's something Gonzalo talked about in that quote we read, right? Then that is a really dangerous thing. That's the kind of thing that can disorganize a defense when you don't quite know exactly who you're supposed to be keeping track of, right? Because if it's both of them interchanging and creating from different spaces and different spots on the field, that's going to cause a lot of trouble, right? Which brings mm-hmm. me to the Doyle comp and the foul thing is a great point. The fouls, the lack thereof anyway, is a great point Mm -hmm. because Tiago is trying shit in a way that Zeke always looked much too scared to do. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. And that can benefit you in so many ways just by simply trying stuff. You know, not every Mm -hmm. pass has come off. For Tiago Amada, yeah. not every run has been perfect. Not every moment has been perfect. He had a few bad touches in this one where I went, dude, really? <laughs> That's yeah, not a $16 yeah. million touch right there. Um, but I like to complain. There were a few passes, though, that you went, oh, yeah. I, I didn't mm-hmm. think anyone was going to see that. Like, this is the kind of thing you mm-hmm. see on, yeah. on a video game and go, okay, I'm going to like launch this into the box and find Joseph on the wing. But inside the box, after breaking a couple lines, Tiago did that, right? And that's yeah. encouraging. We look at the chance he set up for Jackson that Jackson Conway bless his heart 
Man, he, he oh my probably had so many nightmares about <laughs> that one. was pissed that he, that he, he I think everyone that. He hurt. like put his hands up. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I think everyone just hurt in I've their actually, soul. I've, I've scored a goal just like that in like in rec ball. That's the, <laughs> actually, I've, I've scored one time. And that's basically exactly how it happened. Where I, I uh-huh. was Jackson Conway. I was standing there. Somebody else did something really incredible. And then like the ball just kind of bounced right to me. And I was able to, you know, take it in for my moment of glory. <laughs> And well, he just totally fluffed it, which I feel so bad because like he scores like legi- genuinely like technical, tidy goals in USL. Yeah. But I think, you know, I was talking to Felipe about this uh, in some me- private messages. It just seems like in USL, he gets that little split second of time to kind of compose himself where either he doesn't have or he doesn't feel like he has an MLS. And it just seems like he's always rushing or like pressing on himself. It's like kind of like stressing himself to to give a good performance in MLS because he mm-hmm. knows he, you know, need to kind of all eyes are on him and he needs it for his career. So anyway, sorry to throw you off topic, but I I agree, you know, with Tiago and to, to kind of bring it back to him and the comparison to Barco or the oh, lack oh, thereof, oh, I would quick, say. Is, real quick, just yeah, want to, yeah. I, I want to go back to that play, go back okay, to that okay. play because he makes a layoff, right? Like he, he, I think it's just a square ball to someone who's mm-hmm. relatively close to him. But then he makes the run immediately, right? And it's just a diagonal run into the box. And again, it's not necessarily perfect. The play isn't perfect, right? The the pass that's attempting to get to Tiago is deflected, right? But it eventually ends up at his feet. And he eventually shuffles it over to Jackson, who again should have scored, right? And that just goes, yeah. It's a perfect example of just what trying literally anything can do and that's where zeke struggled a ton was you never really yeah. saw that with him right and so that's the most encouraging thing i've seen from amada almada so far is just simply the willingness to attempt to create and attempt to score and not worry about getting fouled or anything like that mm-hmm. and, I, and i think and that's I think- where i totally differ with doyle on that yeah and i think part of it is like the, the, what you're talking about right there is it's almost like Almada has the vision to see a little pass that he can make that that will slip somebody past their defender or um, see a run that he can make that that, you know, would potentially be an opportunity as to where Barco never seemed to have good vision. Um, he Barco mm-hmm. always seemed to be, you know, the dribbly boy running with his head down, kind of <laughs> dribbling, dribbling until he didn't realize he was surrounded by like three people and then, you know, go down for a foul or whatever. It was very frustrating. It was very frustrating to watch because you could see he has this technical ability, but he wasn't able to kind of unleash um, what he was fully capable of because of this, this, you know, one lacking attribute. And so, yeah, it's nice. I'm just very encouraged by with what I saw from from Amada in that game. And especially just, again, the way he was able to combine with Marcelino Moreno. And that, that is the kind of, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, well, he's got to take, he needs time to gel. He needs time to work with him training. Uh, and I think that that is exactly what we, what we saw. We, we saw the, the, what comes of having now had three weeks or whatever. It's however long it's been to, to train with the team. Now ask me if I still think he was the right fit for the soccer team, as far as what they needed to effectively be one of the top, like three teams in the league. Was he still the right fit to effectively be one of the top? I don't top think so. Three? I don't think so. <laughs> I, man, as much as as much as um, Marcy and Almada are going to attempt the gel and attempt to rotate and everything like that, and as much as that can be good, right? I, I still think there is something missing. I still think there's a balance that will be off. I still think that the the way they play it just won't 
cohabitate in a way that puts Atlanta up with the Seattles and even the NYCFCs who are struggling right now in regular season, but are, you know, CCL. I still think it's going to put them there. And that's my thought right now. And that's my worry, but I'm a worrier. It's what I do. It's what I do. <laughs> I can't say I like agree or disagree. To me, I'm keeping an open mind about this team. Like I, I just don't know what this team is yet. Um, that's right. And that's where, again, um, well, yeah, I, I just I, I think that this team, again, <laughs> uh, needs needs more time. We, we've yet to see all the DPs be on the field together. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, clearly it's just still a work in progress. Totally. Totally. And, um, you know, I, I'll figure it out, too. I'll, I'll make more judgments on it as we move along here. It's just, you know, I, I have to watch a lot sure. of MLS. We'll get more data as we go on. Exactly. I have to watch a lot of MLS, though, and it's hard to to look at the best teams in the league and look at Atlanta United and see that resembling each other often. You yeah, know? it could. But right yeah. now it's tough for me to see it. And that's kind of where I'm at after this game. I would I would lean the other way and I, I would it's just a it's an interesting one because for this game in particular, because for all the you know complaints about the lack of chances and the fact that it, you know, Neeler was nil nil, all that stuff. <laughs> I kind of came away with we you know, one of the things I was most encouraged with was one of its key attacking players, Tiago Amada, I thought really taking a taking a step forward and just where where I thought he would be at this stage. I, I thought, honestly, it was kind of. Some other player, I, you know, again, I'll just say it, Joseph up top. I just thought he was just mm-hmm. totally lacking, um, just didn't have just kind of wasn't able to bring his normal game. And um, it's just kind of funny. The fact that uh, <laughs> despite the despite the fact that it was such a kind of a dour game, I was actually um, quite impressed with. I should say Almada and Moreno, because like this all they all kind of work together. Some people weren't as impressed with Marcelino Moreno, and we're going to talk about that a whole lot more here in just a moment. After this quick break. And before we get back into the show, we did just want to once again thank our presenting partners of the podcast Five Stripe Final, which is Lucid FC. That's Lucid Footwear and Clothing. And Sam, Lucid's got some really interesting things going on. They've got a live show uh, happening this weekend. Saturday, April 9th oh, at shoot. 7 p.m. at the Interlock in Atlanta, which is at 14th Street and Howell Mills, so like on the west side there, kind of north of Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, they're holding their autumn winter 2022 fashion runway show. So you can kind of see what's going to be coming up, um, what they're designing. It's free to come by and support. And you can just, again, view, view a fashion show. If that's your thing from 7 to 8 p.m. The specific address is 1115 Howell Mill Road. Show starts right before sunset. Sounds amazing. Sounds beautiful. It's extremely um, cool. And if you want to, if you like their stuff, you know, go to go you know, visit their store online, lucidfc.us and use DSS um, at checking or at uh, checkout for free shipping all year long. That's DSS at checkout. Lucidfc.us. Check them out. Wish I was talented enough to just make stuff and put on shows and be cool. <laughs> Gosh, man. Yeah. They make me feel bad. They make me feel bad, but. Clothes make me look good, so it balances out, I guess. That's right. Balances That's out. That's right. Also making <laughs> us look good, Joe Patrick. These questions, because our readers are so smart. Are so smart. That, that's what I've always thought about how smart they are. Um, that sounds facetious, but I'm not. I'm not no, kidding. These are good questions. It, just, <laughs> it reminds me one time when I when we were when I was a kid, we got a puppy one time, 
and my it was it was really like my dad's thing like my dad really wanted this dog and so we get the dog and it's like its first day home and uh, it's a it's a it's a lab and he's and he's filming it on like the family video recorder or whatever and he's look at her she's so smart and then right as soon as he says that she just pees right on the carpet and that's always been a family joke <laughs> wonderful wonderful uh well i, I don't think none, our none, of our, none of our none of our smart listeners pee on the carpet though great i, I think we'll see we'll see i didn't look at these too closely Hopefully not we'll find out um i had a quick tactical question that i, I wanted you to address specifically joe patrick because this is something that I think I think you, this kind of teach you up a little bit. I think S. McFarlane asked, "How did moving to a back three late in the game seemingly lead to a more potent attack for Atlanta?" I'll say the numbers don't necessarily back that up. <laughs> the eye test does, though. Yeah, it did get better for as far as from the perspective of is Atlanta United controlling this game a little more, and I thought that improved. Yeah, um, yeah, that's interesting about about the stats there. I think that it just kind of freed up. Moreno and Tiago a little bit more. Those two players were then it was essentially like a I think in FIFA it's called like a 4321, where it's like you have like kind of narrow wingers that mm-hmm. kind of play in close to the striker. And it just seemed like that just became like a triumvirate. And of course, then Joseph comes out and, and Jackson Conway comes in. But maybe that kind of freed them up a little bit more to 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 just have play with a little bit more freedom and just give those wingbacks uh, a lot more freedom as well to just to be the why you know provide the width for the team. But honestly, I'm kind of with you. I didn't really notice a substantial substantial like um, or marked increase in the team's attacking output uh, late in the game. But I guess you, did, did you say the stats did. No, they didn't. Not really. Uh, I mean, not in a yeah. really noticeable way. I you thought, know. So, so I, do wanna, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I just want to point out one thing real quick. And it goes back to something we were talking about. We mentioned Jackson coming in. That happened around like the 62nd minute, I think, is exactly when it happened. Okay. Jeff Patrick. <laughs> We talked about those runs challenging the back line, right? In this game, Jackson Conway, seven. Jackson Conway, seven runs challenging the back line. Joseph Martinez, three. Mm, Wow. Jackson Conway played half the minutes. Half the minutes. Just something to keep in mind. (laughs) Just something to keep in mind. Andrew Gutman, six. Second on the team. Love Andrew Gutman. Wow, dude, that guy is insane. You know, I was thinking more about this ultra marathon runner meme bit that mm-hmm. we've got going with him. He would also run them in five finger shoes. I was thinking about that <laughs> last night. I like that. I like that. Even after like those have been debunked by science for years yeah. and years, he's like, nah, this is the <laughs> yeah, only way to maybe do it. They, like, maybe, yeah. they, maybe they like tear up your arches for <laughs> all eternity. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Um, yeah, no, not a, not a totally noticeable difference for me, but a little bit of difference. Fair? I, well, yeah, and I was going to say we might have a question about this uh, a little bit later. I'm not sure, but um, I, I, I thought like with Santiago Sosa and Franco Abara really were the keys to mm, I like everything, that. I think, in that second <laughs> half. I thought that they really controlled uh, the middle of the pitch and, yeah, just gave Atlanta a very solid base. I wonder... After they went to the, th- the that back three and they had those two players in midfield, seemed like DC didn't really create much, like really threaten much yeah. at all after that. I wonder if Santi and Abara had been healthy to go a ninety, if maybe that would have been an option for this game. Mm. You mm-hmm. know, uh, pair them yeah. or not pair them, but trio them with Ozzy. You know, because Gonzalo talked about combating DC just by keeping quality possession of the ball and everything like that. But part of me is like. I don't know, man. You got what the most expensive roster in the league. Don't you think if you like matched up 
mano a mano with these dudes and just try to play murder ball for a little bit, you can maybe win those second chances and turn something in uh, kind of brutal, but kind of special at the same time. If you just kept throwing mm-hmm. Franco and Sosa and Alonso and, and other dudes out there who were just going to beat people up. Yeah, that's probably a dumb idea, yeah. but it's, I, it's the world I wanted well, to live in, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't hate seeing a lineup with those three in it uh, again, kind of in a more the the th- the th- three the four three three that we kind of saw versus Sporting Kansas City in that first game, which I wrote about mm-hmm. where you have, you know, they're playing more defensively, especially off the ball. They're they're getting out into those wide spaces to help, you know, protect against the wingers. And you lead, then you would, you know, you allow players like Tiago Amada and uh, and Luis Araujo or Marcelino Moreno to be up front and not have the responsibility of tracking those runners back. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I thought they played well. And I think that it's kind of unfortunate for Mateus Rosetto that he happened to get injured, but I kind of expected Santiago Sosa to step into his role. Cause I think the team will look a lot better when you have another guy who's a natural ball winning midfielder in that role uh, next to Ozzy Alonso, even if you do want to play in a four, two, three, one, which I do think we will see this team play in for most of the year. Um, yeah. I think that he's, it's just unfortunate for him because I think he's going to lose his spot now, basically in the starting lineup, barring some injury later down the road this season. I mean, that's fine. You kind of wanted him to yeah. to be not full time, right? Like, yeah. I, I think that's a better world for Atlanta United. So we'll see how that works out. I'm interested as well. Oh, for Atlanta United, it's much better. Yeah. <laughs> for him, it's not so great. Right. But. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Christian asked this. He says, I want to clearly state that I am 100% on Team Pineda. However, is the lack whenever of Whenever you hear that. Yeah, it's whenever, never a good statement, especially five you, games in the year. <laughs> However. It's like, that's like saying, no offense, but. <laughs> is the lack of final that, you know third. You're about to be offended. Is the lack of final third execution a coaching issue? Or due to the number of injuries early in the year, please give me a date that I should start freaking out and self-medicating with Jack Daniels. <laughs> That's a good question. Good question. Uh, by Sounders rules, you don't you don't have May to worry 16th. until like August, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe then is when you should really really start worrying. But this team is going to bully its way to wins, right? This team is too talented yeah. to, to not. So maybe don't start worrying too much yet. As long as they're peaking towards the end of the year, they're going to have a chance, which I think is very very possible, right? With with what this team can do. Uh, and, I, and I think we've touched on a lot of the issues, right? It's sure it's a little bit of coaching, but I think that takes more time. I think that's something that especially takes time, right? I have my concerns about the roster. That is what it is, unless there are changes coming in the summer, which I don't think there are. There's no room for them, right? So I don't know. I think the injuries will, once those are done, it'll help out a lot. No more injuries ever. Please stop. Yeah. The injuries are definitely definitely a part of it. And I again, we kind of talked about it earlier, but the team just didn't train much because they were missing a lot of those players in preseason, all that stuff. It's and this is an issue for everybody. No team in MLS is performing how they want to be in the final third, I guarantee you. So um, it, it's clearly a work in progress. I expect it to get better. I hope to get better. And there are definitely different metrics that we'll continue to track on the show throughout the year that might show if they're getting better or if they're not. And, you know, they're very simple ones like, Shots inside the box, I think, is a very key <laughs> metric that it like sounds very simple. But especially if you can get that data granularly to shots inside the box with your feet, um, mm-hmm. that's a big one. 
if you are creating those, you're going to score goals. So um, the the benchmark, like in in the 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 golden era of Atlanta United, when you know 2018 Tata Martino, I would say the team was creating roughly. 20 to 24 total shots in a game. And these are home games. I, I, I'm specifically remembering 20 to 24, I would say, with like 12 shots inside the box, 12, something like that. That would be a very good output to have. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a, a way you can gauge where this team is at. Jacob asked a very similar question. He asked just what's missing in the final third. And, and again, I think it's time and Louisa Rouge. It's a pretty good combo, right? I think that'll sort it out. Uh, ATL Greg one ask a question. Ask who should be playing uh, CAM is, is what he puts it as. I guess um, we can refer those to ten. In this case, um, I think I think they have the right idea, right? As long as that connection between Tiago and Marcy remains very fluid, and they understand when and how to kind of interchange and where they can be, I think it can work. If even if Marcy is predominantly on the wing. I still would kind of want to see it flipped, I think, in my own head. But Gonzalo Pineda is Gonzalo Pineda, and I am me. So I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I. it's kind of funny because um, who do I think is like the best number 10? It's probably Tiago Amada, just like as a player profile. But I think this team is better with Marcelino Moreno as the number 10. And it's like the Dark Knight, not the number 10 we deserve or whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's the, it's the uh, yeah, I mean, I think that this team will function the best with Marcelino Moreno playing in a central role, even though he might not be as ideally suited to it as maybe a, a Tiago Amada. I just think it's a better fit for everybody. Ralph asked this, and I'm, I'm reading verbatim here. He says, assume cars A and B are 150 miles apart. If car A is going 50 miles per hour due east and... Sorry, wrong question. Are our center Thank midfielders? God. Oh my God. Scared <laughs> the word? shit out of me, Ralph. Reword? Are our center yes, midfielders? I was. I was told there would be no math. <laughs> are our center midfielders <laughs> uniformly pedestrian or does our system limit their ability to shine? You may reject the premise of this question as well. I reject the premise <laughs> of the math question for sure. Stupid. No one would ever need to know. I don't even understand how it works. Math is dumb. Well, I just think we haven't seen our best central midfielders play yet. Yeah, I still know what that looks like. Kind of like with the attack. Right. Yeah. Uh, are they uniformly pedestrian? Uh, I don't necessarily know if anyone is very much above average or necessary below average either. So maybe, maybe you're onto something there, but I think we need a little more time to see what year two Santiago Sosa looks like and year two Franco Barra right. and everything like that. Yeah. And what Emerson Hyman looks like yeah, when he comes exactly. back and clearly Gonzalo Pineda was pretty high on him. You know, I think that it's a it's a position group that has a lot of above average players, but not like a star studded player, you know, Mm -hmm. among that group. And I think that you have good competition, at least within the group. But I think that I think it's a pretty solid group of central midfielders. Um, I'm high on Santiago Sosa. I'm kind of thinking that some of the poor performance that we saw down the second half of the season from him was due to injury. And so I, and I'm excited from what I saw in this DC United game. I thought he played really well. And again, with Franco Barra too, like he's so accurate in the, ch- in his tackles, if that makes sense. <laughs> like he's just like, he's, he, he mm-hmm. places his foot on the ball as opposed to, you know, I was a little worried at times he was going to give away some dumb fouls, but he never did. He was, he was actually taking the ball away from the opposing player, which is always uh, fun to see. So, and, and these guys are young. They have potential, especially, uh, you know, a bar on Sosa. I think people forget just how young they are. I mean, they're 
what, 22, 21, something like that. Yeah. So still plenty of room for them to just improve as players over the course of the season as well. That kind of leads into this from Patophilus, who says, I saw Hosetsu passing the guy next to him again. He's back mostly always against the goal, allowing the opposition to catch up. He asked, will Heinemann be a better option? And who else do we have that can play a more vertical game? I think Heinemann will be a better option. I think. But then again, it's really I, hard I to know what that's going to look like off an ACL tear. It really is. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I think in theory. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Like we're just plugging him back in like a FIFA style, but I, I just don't know what his movement looks like. I don't know like how much adding all that muscle mass is going to help him. I'm interested to see. <laughs> looks big. Yeah. Looks big. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. Taking with with the caveat that you just mentioned, totally being valid. You know, I did see last year Heinemann being a kind of player who I would call him as like a a pivot point in the way that the play was progressing, where he could receive the ball in midfield, kind of on the half turn, and then turn it upfield and make something happen on the other end, uh, as opposed to again like uh, whoever who, <laughs> uh, Pedophalus said. Um, it's a dangerously close to sounding very inappropriate that with that name. Um. <laughs> we do this every time. Mark Simmons asks, am I the only one with a love hate relationship with Moreno? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he will drive me nuts most of the game, but he's also directly responsible for six of our points this year. Correct. I'm confused on how to feel. Rubber anchor asks, was Marcy great or terrible in this game? I can't decide. Mixie two asks, why does it always seem Marcy's going to fall over his own feet when he's dribbling? You all ask. You, those are all the those are all the questions you ask yourself, and then he scores a game winner. Exactly. And you're like, How does he always face. score the game winner? <laughs> no, he's. Uh, I mean, I've said it before. My favorite bit is he's like the flower petals. He loves me. He loves me not. Mm-hmm. He lo- you know, it's like you, you you're just within a game. I think that's appropriate, and also just from game to game, that's also inappropriate. I was messaging someone today about this, and I liked I liked the way my brain worked on this one. I said that Zeke was a bad good soccer player like all the things he did well weren't necessarily things that helped the team Mm -hmm. where marcy is perhaps the best good bad soccer player Mm, ever i love this yes yeah (laughs) so all the goofy things he does somehow end up (laughs) working um and it's kind of amazing i i I understand the frustration Uh, i really do there are moments where you go it's very clear he has not made the correct pass where he's not done the correct thing but then again he keeps putting himself in positions to make be able to make those choices and even if you're only making those choices like 40% of the time, you're still going to be productive in the way that he's been productive. And man, he's been productive for the better part of like a year now in a way that no one else on the team has. And I still love his dribbling ability in central areas of the park where I really think it's like a physical bullying past players. He he was five of seven on his dribble attempts. When he played in Argentina, he attempted dribbles more than pretty much everybody by like multiple standard deviations. Um, he just takes on players in a way that I remember Darlington Nagby taking on players mm. where he's able to kind of roll you on the half turn and just use his body, drop the shoulder. I think that's the phrase that all the English people use, drop the shoulder and and get past somebody. Um as if he's like beating an offensive tackle to make a sack. I, I've never quite gotten the drop the shoulder <laughs> thing, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm it, he's unconventional in his methods, uh, but they seem to work somehow. Because neither of them are out. fast, right? Neither of them are quick right, or explosive. Yeah. 
you know, which leads to Marcy getting fouled a little too much. Right. And that's yeah. that can be frustrating. Yeah, yeah. People that's too, a good point. You know, because he just simply has he was getting speed. fouled a lot in this game, even like from be, from behind. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, D.C. United players, if they got beat, they would just hack him down, you know, yeah. which I mean, if people if teams can just continue to do that, then he, he's going to be pretty neutered for the most part. But again, he keeps he keeps getting in these good positions. And even when it's fluky, even when it's like totally on accident, he did score the goal, I guess. So. Yeah. <laughs> and that, if it keeps <laughs> yeah, happening, yeah. you have a pattern. That's that's where we're at on Mercy, right. guys. Y'all need to. Yep. I understand the frustration, but we gotta we gotta love him in the good moments too. In the good moments, totally. and praise him even totally. more for those. Honestly, um, and we can end with this. Uh, Logan the Shogun asked thoughts on Almada's first start. I think we kind of touched on that a pretty decent amount. Yeah, uh, interesting. I think Solid. someone posted. I don't know what the source was on this, and remember that XG kind of scores things like a boxing match. Like some people will see it one way, some people will see it other ways. But the the XG and expected assists for Marcy and Almada lined up really really nicely as far as what they were creating and, mm. and um, what they nearly scored on. So that was good to see. Uh, again, it wasn't a ton because this game was ugly, but overall, you know, I, I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was pretty fine. We can talk in the future about that price tag and about whether or not this was the best move. But as far as his first start goes, fine. Yeah, totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. You can't even judge him again, him against the price tag. Yeah, it's just way too early. And we, we definitely. Yeah. I mean, he will inevitably be kind of judged against that. Just as every player, you mm-hmm. know, every player who goes for a big fee um, is ultimately judged on, you know, by, by that number, rightly or wrongly. And we will certainly do that throughout the season. But I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was a, a solid progression from last week. And I thought it was looking, you know, it was interesting. I was listening to Jeff Lorenowitz and Jason Longshore on the 929 um, postgame show. And Jeff was saying that he like, you know, honestly, I disagreed with a lot of what the way that Jeff perceived the game. And it's interesting because when you're commentating, you definitely don't see the game the way that a person who's not commentating or not even in the stadium, like, like I was just watching on TV. Um, but he was saying how he thought like Almada kind of fell out of the game in the second half. I just didn't see that at all. I thought that Almada was still kind of like sprinting around and one of the more energetic players on the field for Atlanta um, toward those end moments. And it, you know, it set up Jackson Conway for that great chance. Um, I thought it was a, a solid, a solid progression for Almada. I thought in the game. If Jeff said it, I'm not going to disagree with Jeff. I know. I feel like I'm going <laughs> against my dad or something. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's pretty scary to go up against your dad. It's also pretty scary to handle rapid fire right now. Joe Patrick Seablaska Seablack ask is Andrew Gutman our best performer thus far? I think it's like a definite yes. I, yeah, I was gonna say I like, wouldn't argue. I wouldn't close, argue with that. Is it? Like you could say Marcy, but Marcy yeah, hasn't I mean, played nearly as many minutes, right? Yeah, in his position, it's harder to like kind of define like what is good and bad. But like, I can't remember Gutman like really putting much of a step wrong this year so far. Keep it up, Andrew. Rubber Anchor asks, "How can Jackson kind of get a hat trick in one game and completely forget how hitting the ball works in the next game?" Sure, his hat trick was in a lower league, but once you're in position, and the ball is coming in. Then just getting the ball in frame is the same difficulty in both. I. Would agree, and I don't really know, man. I wish I had an answer for this, but it's it's a decent point, and maybe Jackson's just cursed. The pressure of one moment being able to like heavily influence a career is yeah. a pressure that not many of us have hey, really Ricardo experienced. Ricardo Pepe is not good at this. Really he scored understand. three times in one game, and everyone decided he was worth twenty million dollars. So Jackson, if you can just do that <laughs> in one game, right. bud, yeah, let's, get yeah. Man, let's get yeah. rolling. Let's get rolling. He scored a hat trick in MLS. Ooh, uh-huh. boy. Philip Jeffcoat asked a lot of injuries <laughs> for Atlanta United over the years. Do you think there is a correlation between all the injuries and training staff needing to improve how they train players? No, no, I do not, Joe. 
knees over knees over toes guy. Knees over toes. Go guy. Check out Joe's knees over toes guy. Check out my guy, the Liver King. If anybody knows knees over toes guy, let us know in the whenever like in the comments Elliot, how do people? Yeah, rapid fire. Elliot Beaven asks, when Eruzu comes back, does he make the attack more clinical? Yes. Machine Epsilon asks, what Thanksgiving leftovers will you be eating while watching USA versus England at the World Cup? Joe Patrick, I already have a plan for this weekend, right? First off, the leftovers, nothing, nothing better than a than a ham sandwich after Thanksgiving. You reheat up the potatoes and everything like that. You. You have a good time with that. That that can last you a few days, right? Uh, but Thanksgiving, Friday's yeah. that England, USA game. And then Saturday, I think me and my girlfriend, who was a Bama grad, are going to go to our first Iron Bowl. Uh, so that would this going to oh, be a really wow. really solid weekend. That would be. We're going to try it, dude. We're going to try it. I'm jealous. Yeah. That would be that's that would be an amazing weekend. That would be an amazing Patrick, weekend. What Thanksgiving left I watched. Uh, I I watched USA lose to Ghana in the 2010 World Cup and the knockouts in Auburn actually fun huh. fact um yeah i don't know i think the one interesting thing about this do we know that what time that game will be two. played if it's because if it's early oh, oh if it's the it's later two. one okay then that throws a lot of wrinkles out the window you don't have to do breakfast so with your uh leftovers oh but so. if you get like an english All muffin getting leftovers like, a, are like good. a normal size english muffin you could get a big english muffin <laughs> if you want to <laughs> i swear to god i mean do that um but if you get a normal <laughs> english muffin and put some of the, the ham or the turkey leftover on that for breakfast. That is clutch. That is clutch. Big English muffin, though. Or some big one. Uh, Pineda Head 17 asks, I like that we have had a lot of different goal scores by the end of the season. Who gets the most and second most goals plus assist on the team? It's a really good question. I think I'm still going to hold out for Louise as first. And second, it's, for me, it's between Marcy and Almada. I want to say Marcy, though, so I'm going to go with Marcy. I think not Joseph in either one. I mean, I think Joseph will still have the most goals because he takes penalties. Yeah, that is kind of I think out. open play goals. I think Luis Araujo, I think Luis Araujo will have the most open play goals this season. And then Joseph will be in second. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. That'll be my guess. Uh, this one, I forget who asked this, but it was a good question. How would Darren cryptically announce you, Joe Patrick? Oh, it would definitely be some like Irish thing. It would be oh, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. That's a, if we want to get personal. Yeah, we could just get one of your hats. Be like a hat emoji. A yeah. Hat. Yeah. Clover. Um. I don't know. Maybe I'll. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. Huh? I'm gonna. I'm gonna be talking to nice. him tomorrow. Uh. Nice. Okay. What? Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk welfare. The people will know. The people will know why by the time they're hearing this. Most likely. What? There's a there's a story. They're 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 putting out some news uh, tomorrow. What? I'm doing like a 10 minute thing with them in the morning. What? Yeah. Yeah. News. There we go. Some, we got some news. Rapid fire. News coming Damn. out. Um, uh, <laughs> I think mine would be, uh, I used to have the, my avatar on Twitter or whatever was uh, Sam J. Jones, the actor who played Flash Gordon. So I'd like to think that uh, a Flash Gordon yes, thing yeah. would be very appropriate for, for J. Probably. Sam yeah. Jones. And that was rapid fire. What the hell are you talking about? Whatever. We'll, we'll talk about it off air. We'll see. Uh, I'm interested That'll- now. I'm interested. Okay. All right. Well, Joe, any thoughts before we get out of here? Like telling us the big secret that you just randomly dropped on me in the middle of the show? <laughs> no, everybody's going to have to wait. I, I'm, I'm sure by the time people are hearing this, they'll already know. So, all righty then. Us sounding excited about it won't even be uh, much of a big deal. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, let's get out of here then. Bye, all.
Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece.